Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to celebrityqb.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Uh, got an interesting Sunday on tap here because uh, the Daytona 500 just started. The NBA All-Star Game is finally going to happen. And we've got uh, spring training about to f- open up fully across uh, Major League Baseball tomorrow morning. So got a number of storylines to uh, talk about. Uh, so... You know, I'll talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Weekend. I mean, I didn't talk too much about uh, the All-Star Skills Competition just because there wasn't really much to talk about. I I mean, uh, wasn't all that enamored with uh, the selections for the dunk competition. Uh, I mean, the biggest name you knew was Victor Oladipo and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Oladipo, uh, you know tried to do some interesting things. He even went with the Black Panther mask, uh, for those of you who saw it. But, I mean, ultimately, it it was aight. I mean, nothing earth-shattering. Although, Donovan Mitchell for 6'3", definitely has the hops. Uh, You you, you can definitely see uh, that aspect. But, you know, it was a nice coming out party for him. He uh, got to do uh, a couple of things. So, uh, you know, it was a good showcase for him. Uh, You know, outside of that, you know, Devin Booker won the three-point shooting contest, uh, had some really nice shooting, but you kind of knew Devin Booker was going to be in a good spot, and you kind of knew that Clay Thompson was going to be in the final. So it, that was more of a foregone conclusion than uh, I think anyone could have uh, realized. It's just it's disappointing because you don't see all the best three-point shooters in the contest. You don't see the best dunkers in the contest. I mean, the fact that Paul George was in the three-point shooting contest and not the dunk contest is ridiculous. Paul George can throw it down. Paul George is not a great three-point shooter. He's a rhythm shooter. If it, if he's feeling it and he's, he's shooting from three, yeah, he can shoot from three. Uh, it's just the fact that Oklahoma City is abysmal uh, shooting threes so that Paul George has found a little bit of niche shooting threes on that roster because everyone's drawn to Russell Westbrook and Paul George is left wide open hit three. So... Yeah, he can shoot threes. He's just not a natural three-point shooter. So, of course, that showed uh, last night. I mean, it's all about uh, form and technique in that competition. 
It's not actually about who can actually hit three-pointers in an actual game. It's about shooting as many three-pointers in another minute as possible. So it just comes out to different forms of technique. And usually when you have jump shooters like George trying to shoot, it, they get they tire themselves out and they don't uh, perform well. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm delving way too much into uh, minutia there. Uh, in terms of the All-Star game itself, I mean... I don't really have any desire to watch this. I mean, if you look at it, even with all the injuries Team LeBron has had on paper, they should still roll up on Steph's team. Because if you think about it, in crunch time, LeBron's team can still roll out with Kyrie at the point, Russ as the off guard, or Kyrie as the off guard. It doesn't really matter. Then you got, uh, uh, of course, LeBron, you got Paul George, and oh yeah, Kevin Durant's on that team. Are, Are you serious? I mean... Honestly, the fact that Steph Curry did not want that game publicized, and before I thought it was LeBron, but it was really Steph that held this one back because Adam Silver basically threw Steph Curry under the bus. I don't know why Silver even offered that up, that it was Steph Curry who didn't want the game televised. But, uh, you know, he basically threw Steph under the bus. But if that was televised and Steph made those elections, people would have been ripping him on Twitter the entire time. Because how are you going to have that lopsided of a team basically because yeah could Steph's team win yes only in the sense that LeBron's team plays absolutely zero defense and yeah I actually expect this game to be one where zero defense is played so they're probably going to break 140 each but I mean it's a joke it, it, there's no way th- these games should be this high scoring but you know when guys don't care about putting themselves out there and uh and uh and actually shutting guys down that's what happens because if you put an effort yeah there's a chance you can get hurt but i mean it's to me it's not competitive television watching uh teams put up 140 like 148 to 147 i i, I mean call, call call me way too old school but it's just not entertaining to me uh so yeah, I'm pr- I'm probably skipping the entire All Star game itself, uh, so I'll catch highlights later if something cool happens. But uh, I mean, l- long and short of it is, Team LeBron should win this one. I mean, when you roll out that five in crunch time, you should be able to smoke Steph's team. There- there's no getting around it. I, I mean, think about it. <laughs> You've got the two best players in the league, and arguably uh, uh, the top. Uh, uh, top uh, five uh, other players in the league on LeBron's team alone. Because uh, say what you will about Kyrie, Kyrie puts up the numbers. So, it, you know, at the end of the day, it, you got a situation where uh, LeBron's team ha- just has so much depth on it uh, in terms of being top heavy, even with uh, the fill-ins. In crunch time, cream rises to the top. So the LeBron's team should win this one uh, unless... Again, they play no defense, and Steph's team just blows them out so that it's completely uncompetitive in the fourth quarter. But usually the way it goes for the All-Star game, it, uh, everyone starts uh, playing a little bit of a smidge, a smidge of defense. Not even actual defense, just a smidge. You know, a little taste, if you will. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I look at this and I'm just like, it's kind of a waste of my time. So, anywho, I'm going to get into the main focus of... My analysis uh, uh, this uh, we, uh, well tonight basically uh, because we just uh, passed seven o'clock here on the East Coast, but 
I'm going to get into the bulk of uh, what I really want to get into, and that is fantasy baseball. So I'm going to go through my initial ranking. So today, uh, we're going to see if I can get through the top 50. Uh, if not, then we'll, we'll break it up for another time. But uh, at least going to try to get through the top 50 today. And so uh, part of my rankings here and the way I, I kind of look at this, I look at it from different factors. Yeah, overall, these can shift based off of your stat categories. Obviously, batting average and OBP, that can play a huge role uh, in uh, how your league's going to be uh, enforced. And, you know, different aspects. If you're counting strikeouts, that definitely impacts it. Points leagues impacts things as well. So overall, I try to do a conglomeration of all the different scoring uh, formats that you could have in leagues. In just in trying to determine uh, the rankings, but overall consensus uh, that I'm trying to go for here is you have enough balance, and I kind of walk you through uh, the thought process of building out your fantasy roster because you know for years I had advocated for you know get your top pitchers early, and then you can backfill the rest of your roster out uh, with power hitters in the middle rounds and get your speed guys late. Over the years, I've started. Uh, shift my mind on that just because as uh you know the steroid uses drop precipitously in the major league baseball we'll get into that a bit later but as it started dropping it became harder and harder to get premium uh power in your lineup so now uh with that in mind you know you had to start making some adjustments to different teams so uh, what I uh, kind of go with now is you hold back on your pitching just because there are enough pitching arms with A-plus talent because of Major League scouting uh, going across the board with analytics that a lot of these starters now have A-plus arms. So you're getting guys that are throwing uh, 94 and up uh, coming out uh, and becoming starters and not pitching uh, full 7-8, uh, full uh, 9 innings. So... Yeah, it hurts you from uh, from different aspects. So if you have quality start leagues, yeah, that that definitely starts getting to you because now seven seven is the new nine innings pitched, and so now you're seeing guys getting pulled after 110 pitches, even though it's a five and a third, and they're and they're still cruising. That's not that's not a shock anymore. So again, a couple of different aspects to look at it from, but uh, I'm gonna. Uh, start moving on without much further ado. So, in terms of the overall number one pick in fantasy, and you know there there are arguments to be made for a number of guys, but you know what? I'm not one of those uh, to be deviating uh, too far from the tree. So, in spite of the injuries last year, the number one pick for me in terms of fantasy baseball rankings, it's still Mike Trout. So, uh, by all accounts. Honestly, to me, if you're deviating from Mike Trout and you've got the number one pick, you're asking yourself uh, for trouble because in a given year, Mike Trout's going to give you 300 batting average, 100 runs scored, 100 RBIs, 35 to 40 home runs a year, and you're still going to get steals, even though he's been slowing down uh, just because of uh, the Knicks he's gotten from stealing bases. I still have him stealing anywhere from 15 to 20 bags uh, this season alone. So what else are you going to ask for? Uh, honestly, even with uh, 
the deficiencies of the Angels' offense. Otani, you know, whether he plays in, in the uh, in the offensive uh, side of things that much, or he play it doesn't play any, they focus more on his pitching. You know, the Angels' offense isn't going to be great, but Mike Trout is still going to put up numbers regardless because it never, never has been uh, uh, a requirement that uh, you know that Mike Trout needed support uh, to put in uh, put in the numbers that he does. He does it year in, year out. Uh, you know, he's a consensus MVP for a reason. So, Mike Trout's number one. I, I'm not, a, not even going to think twice about it. So, Trout's number one. Number two, here's where things get interesting. Because you can make a case for Goldschmidt as usual. You can make a case for a guy like uh, Bryce Harper. You can make a case for Nolan Arenado. You can make a case for Manny Machado. But, to me... The number two pick is someone that, again, I've been beat, uh, beating the drums on this guy for a number of years now and, you know, did it in the postseason. And you know what? He keeps putting up numbers, even though you would think that at a certain point he's going to start slowing down. He's still uh, putting up uh, the numbers in terms of stolen bases. And that guy is Jose Altuve. And, you know, if he was three inches taller, people wouldn't even be batting an eyelash. But because of his height, everyone's going to still make case of, you know, is this the year Jose Altuve falls off? Can he turn it on a fastball? Can he drive in runs? And guess what? He bats third in Houston's lineup. You know, you got Springer up top. You're going to get guys on base. Altuve's driving in runs, and he's scoring a ton. So I still have Altuve scoring 100 runs. I still have him. Uh, basically uh, at 100 RBIs just because of the Astros lineup is going to be just printing money in terms of uh, offensive categories. So I I just like the fact that Altuve is just going to get a ton of at-bats. He's going to be putting up the the numbers that you need. And because of uh, his batting average, still going to be in the mid-300s, you know, there's not much uh, that you're not going to, uh, be affected by in terms of offensive categories that he's not going to be top three. Plus, with his stolen uh, uh, stolen base uh, categories, uh, uh, depending on uh, how uh, your league shows it, if it's just stolen base or net stolen bases, you know Altuve's not getting caught on the bags. He's uh, as about as smart as runners it gets. So you're still going to get thirty plus stolen bases from Altuve. That's why he's uh, still going to be my number two pick in terms of the rankings. Uh, so again, I know in terms of, uh, some of the other rankings, uh, he's going to be further down uh, the list for, uh, folks, but I just look at it from the standpoint of he's put it up, put up the numbers year after year, and I don't see anything slowing him down. That goes to number three in the rankings. Same thing applies. And that's Paul Goldschmidt. Gold, Goldschmidt puts up. Huge numbers, every offensive category. The only reason why Goldschmidt takes a slight knock from Altuve this year is the fact that the Diamondbacks are actually switching to humidors uh, for their baseball. So you're not going to get... So in terms of the humidor effect, uh, what's... Uh, and I mean, it, the humidor effect has a little bit of uh, impact. It still doesn't drastically... Uh, decrease the number of runs. It does um, 
minimal amount just because of the uh, fact that uh, the Rockies players still put up ridiculous numbers uh, throughout, and it doesn't seem to matter. But, uh, you know, I still think it, it slightly impacts what uh, you would typically see out of Goldschmidt. So uh, you're still going to get the 30-plus bombs. You're still going to get 100 runs, 100 RBIs. Uh, I just think the, the batting average is gonna still going to be a little less than uh, uh, what you see from uh, uh, Altuve and the stolen base potential. You're not going to get as much in terms of, uh, you know, uh, stolen bags there. So you're going to be somewhere around uh, 10, 10 to 15. I, I think 15 uh, might be a bit aggressive in terms of stolen bases for Goldschmidt just because it, you know, he's one of those that deceptively steals a bag. So, uh, you know, with those guys, he, you know, he does it when uh, he thinks he's got an opportunity. So, you can't, you can't always bank on it, but uh, from a, a cumulative standpoint in Roto, uh, you're still going to get uh, some benefit there. It's just that for head-to-head leagues, I'd rather take a, an Altuve. And from a points league standpoint, I, I'd probably take a Altuve as well uh, over Goldschmidt. That brings us to number four. And it's someone that, in terms of the experts, uh they said he had a down year, but, you know, I'm kind of scratching my head overall because I didn't really see it as a down year. And, I mean, that guy is Mookie Betts. So, Mookie Betts put up 100 runs, 100 RBIs, 24 bombs, and 26 steals. I don't know about you, but that's that's what you're looking for for a first-round pick, you know. Uh, the consensus seems to be that he still had somewhat disappointing numbers because the on-base percentage wasn't high enough. I mean, again, when you're putting up numbers that high, the on-base percentage comes because then you're going to start getting more walks. And the other issue that uh, Boogie Betts ran into is that it was easier to kind of pitch to him and uh, try to get uh, get him out uh, just because he had uh, struggling uh hitters with Bogert, uh, Bogert and uh, also Benintendi. I think both of those players will be better uh, this season. It's going to be harder to uh, get bets out just because I think he's going to have a little bit more protection in the lineup. But overall, again, this is the same principle that you would use to select Trout. He's going to get you 100 runs, going to get you 100 RBIs, and he's, he's getting somewhere uh, around 25 to 30 steals. Again, that's uh, the, uh, the grounds that you're using to kind of select uh, some of these other players. So, again, I, I, I like uh, Mookie Betts here. And, you know, I'm taking him ahead of the guy that uh, people would normally have in the four, uh, four spot. And that would be Nolan Arenado. You know, nothing uh, to knock against Arenado for. You know, he's got the course field effect. So, he's driving in easily over 100 RBIs. I mean... Uh, he's uh, he drove in 130 last year. He's gonna hit bombs. I mean, again, uh, there's not that much separating Arenado from Goldschmidt outside of the fact that Goldschmidt is gonna steal you uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 bags. I mean, Goldschmidt had 18 last year, but uh, I think 15's more an aggressive number. I think it's probably gonna be somewhere between 10 and 15. Arenado doesn't really have speed. I mean, he he'll get a a bag or two during the season just because of a double steal. Uh, but uh, that's about it. Uh, so, uh, Arenado, again, can't go wrong. That's a nice, solid first-round pick. 
don't overthink it if uh, if the other guys I mentioned are already gone. Now, here's where things get interesting. And I'm throwing them out there, and I think folks are starting to get on the bandwagon too, but uh, my next pick here in the sixth spot is Trey Turner of the Nationals. And I know uh, this is where we're going to deviate because you're going to have casual fans who are going to be like, huh? And then the analytics guys or, or the guys who are more hardcore in fantasy baseball are going to kind of know where I'm going with this one. So why Trey Turner over Bryce Harper? And it's a simple reason. Trey Turner had 46 stolen bases and only 400 at-bats last year. When you think about that over the long term, that means Trey Turner could have had over 70 steals last year. And he still hit uh, 11, uh, 11 bombs. So when you extrapolate that, that means... He has the potential to put up anywhere from 60 to 70 stolen bases, and he has the ability to uh, hit home runs, especially with uh, the way the Nationals uh, lineup is, uh, just because he's going to have the opportunity uh, to uh, put uh, put in a, a huge year. Now, if he doesn't steal... 50, uh, anywhere from 60 to 70 bags, yeah, you, you're going to regret uh, some of it just because, you know, there are some power guys that you can uh, uh, slot in there that's, that's going to drive you in runs. But, you know, more often than not, you're looking at fantasy baseball from the perspective of who can get me stolen bases without killing me in other categories. And, you know, Trey Turner, you know, uh, for whether uh, you're a big fan of him or not, put up numbers uh he actually benefits you even more if this is an average league versus uh uh, on base percentage uh uh, rated league just because of the fact that he didn't walk all that much so uh you know he had a 300 batting average but was uh barely uh, raised his average uh, on base percentage over 330 so again not gonna walk a lot uh but puts the ball in play and had a decent enough uh, a fastball to home run ratio where you can legitimately uh, pencil them in for somewhere around 15 to 20 bombs and with that speed yeah there there's a more than reasonable chance that he could steal 60 plus bags uh, next season and the fact that uh, fact is is that you know in the Nationals lineup when you have protection coming in from Harper and Murphy uh uh, behind you, he's gonna be uh, scoring a ton of runs. Uh, you know, even if uh, uh, you don't get the performance out of uh, Harper and Murphy that you're expecting, Trey Turner's still gonna be putting up a uh, uh, number. So I, I look at this and I'm just saying that this is a no-brainer here. Uh, I would, uh, without question, be more than comfortable going with Trey Turner ahead of Harper this season. Just because when you look at it from the standpoint of you can get power, but it's hard to get steals without penalizing uh, your offensive stat in some way, shape, or form. Trey Turner does uh, gives you positive numbers uh, in your offensive stats outside of uh, uh, unless you're going with uh, leagues that uh, put an emphasis on slugging 
uh, slugging and ISO power. So, you know, he's still going to hit you bombs. He's still going to score runs. The RBIs, yeah, you're going to take a hit there because he's a leadoff hitter. But again, you you can get you can supplement that with other guys on the back end. So I, I look at this and I'm saying that you know if Trey Turner's available and you're in the middle of the first round, go for him because there uh, there's a good chance that there's some folks that are going to be scratching their heads, not seeing the potential there, uh, just because they're going to look at it and saying uh, I, I don't want to risk a, a speed guy. Uh, that didn't play all that much last year. Yeah, I, I I just look at it as like uh, a matter of if he had a fluke injury, you know, you're not you're not expecting that to happen again. So I, I like a Tur- Turner to uh, put up big numbers uh, this upcoming season. And now that brings us to lucky number seven, and that is the man who would be king in terms of free agency, Bryce Harper. So Bryce. And I have to suspect that he and his evil overlord agent, Scott Boris, got a little bit of a rude awakening with the baseball free agency period uh, this offseason because of the fact that major league teams just seem to be so... And I, I don't want to see... Because uh, the, the accusations of collusion have already been thrown out by the Pleasure Association. But if it's not collusion, then... It's one of the best cases of a team just holding back on money. So unless they're saving it all up to bid on Bryce, I, I don't see where he's uh, going to be getting the $400-plus plus million contract uh, uh, next season unless he goes out and plays out of his mind. And, uh, you know, to me, Bryce has to put up numbers where he's uh, hitting bombs uh, – where he's anywhere from 50 and above to get the money that he's looking for. Uh, you know, unless he can lead the Nationals to a championship. And to be honest, he's probably got a better shot of hitting 50-plus uh, bombs than he does leading the Nats to a title, just because of the history of the Nats choking, like, dogs in the playoffs. But be that as it may, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, the Nats have an offense that can easily score uh, with enough opportunities for Bryce to put up a, a number line that has him over 110 runs, 30, uh, 35 to 40 home runs, and 120 RBIs while batting 300, and you know maybe he steals somewhere around 10 to 15 bags. Uh, you know, again, that would put him above Goldschmidt. Now, the reality situation is that Bryce also has the potential of getting himself injured trying to play out of his mind, which would not shock me in the least. So, again, this is where I, I got to said, uh, said it before. Bryce has the potential to be the number two uh, uh, finisher in fantasy uh, baseball or even surpass uh, Trout in some way if he goes off completely in pursuit of his uh, mega free agency deal. The problem with Bryce is that you never know if he's actually going to stay healthy enough or not. And that is the biggest uh, fear in terms of, I, I look at uh, Harper here. It's not uh, if he can put up numbers. It's just how, uh, how can, he, uh, how is he most likely to impact your fantasy team? I think he's still going to be a positive impact. I'm just 
concerned on people banking on him with this free agency walk year, overestimating how much offensive production uh, you can get from him. To me, a more realistic expectation uh, would be, you know, kind of slides in with uh, what he's done in the past where you're getting 100 runs, 100 RBIs, about 38 bombs, and, you know, an average that's, you know, maybe it might be like just under 300. Uh, maybe he hits 300, but it might be a little bit under 300. And he steals like about 10 bags just because I, I think he's going to try to pace himself a bit and not run like a maniac and get himself hurt. Uh, you know, I think uh, his uh, aggressiveness gets the better of him at times, but I think especially knowing how high the stakes are in terms of uh, his financial future, I, I see Harper not being nearly as aggressive on the base pass and just kind of focusing on driving and run. So, again, depending on how Trey Turner pans out, uh, the RBI numbers can legitimately fluctuate uh, anywhere from uh, 105 to 130. It, it just depends on how much uh, the Nats are in scoring positions. But I, I, I look at this and I'm saying to myself, that between Harper, Rendon, and Murph, uh, Daniel Murphy, that is, uh, you've got a ton of uh, RBI potential on the Nationals uh, squad and a lousy division in the NL East. Uh, because, I mean, long and short of it is, is that the Mets are probably the best team in uh, second best team in the NL East, as sad as that sounds. So you look at it, and you know, I, I just see that. Uh, Washington should be able to put up ample amount of uh, scoring activity, and uh, you know that's where I, I see it ultimately uh, ending up being is that Harper is going to have a big year. It's just a matter of uh, you know depending on if he can stay healthy or not, how high up in the fa- uh, fantasy baseball rankings he ends up being. So I, I expect at least one or two DL stints for him. So that's why I knocked him down a bit to seven, but the potential is there to be in the top two uh, without question. All right. So next man up and it's someone that, uh, you know, folks kind of fell asleep on last year just because of the championship malaise that they had, but it's Chris Bryant. And honestly, the only difference between Chris Bryant and Goldschmidt, my opinion is the fact that, Chris Bryant's a couple of years younger than uh, Goldschmidt. There's really nothing else that I can say that, you know, why Chris Bryant uh, shouldn't be the number two. You can make a case for him being the number two fantasy pick. And that's where, you know, the hardest part about these uh, rankings comes in is the fact that I don't think the first round is nearly as much of a crapshoot this year as other people are making out to me. I, I just think that there's enough depth in this first round where you can get some value, even if you're in the middle uh, middle picks from uh, seven uh, seven through nine. And you know, Chris Bryant uh, can easily put up uh, numbers where he's got thirty plus bombs, hundred and hundred, and you know, close to a three hundred average. And guess what? That's gonna be pretty much where. Uh, Goldschmidt is. The only difference is that you might get a little bit higher batting average and a couple more steals from Goldschmidt. Outside of that, not much difference. Uh, And, you know, uh, Bryant being at third base, that also gives you uh, a benefit there because you 
you can get out of first base, but in third base, you know, there are options, and I'm going to get to uh, a man in question uh, very shortly about that, but, uh, you know, as a stance, you know, I've got... Uh, I've got I've got Chris Bryant in uh, at uh, number eight. Now, number nine, and nope, it's still not who you think it's going to be. It's uh, it's going to be Manny Machado. So uh, Machado comes in at number nine, and you know, again, this is one of those where there are so many guys that you can slide in in different spots, and you're not even going to bat an eyelash. Uh, I, I look at this and kind of saying to myself, again, you can make cases for all of these players. The only issue that uh, Manny Machado has is the fact that he's in a walk year and he could uh, be dealt to any number of teams that are looking for a rental uh, if the O's fall out of this uh, in a ridiculous uh, situation. I mean... Let's uh, let's look at this uh, from a, a statistical standpoint. His walk rate's uh, up, so you're you're definitely going to be uh, somewhere in the uh, no less than 330 range for on base percentage. I I just think uh, his contact uh, ratios is going to continue to go up, and his uh, plate discipline is getting better. He's only 25. And this is when he's he's uh, he's about to hit the prime years uh, of his career, and you know there's uh, there's a chance that yeah he can regress and fall under the, uh, the pressure of free agency and just get out to a lousy start. Yeah, that's possible, but you can make the case for uh, Harper on that as well. I just look at that as like this is another guy that can give you. 135 and 100 and again still close to 300 and still can get you 10 uh, 10 stolen bases i mean with that kind of balance you're you're not passing up on that i, I don't care uh you know and i know and i'm gonna hear it uh, from folks that are listening to this podcast and screaming why aren't you getting to uh, Carlo? hold your horses we're gonna we're gonna get to stanton uh, coming up, but there's a reason for, for why I did the initial rankings the way I did, uh, looking at everything objectively. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you look at what uh, Machado has put up in his career, uh, this is a chance where you can get him at a discount. Because, again, folks are still saying that Machado is... Somewhere, uh, like, I, I've even seen Machado ranked in the second round, which to me is insane. Uh, you know, I, I've seen Machado uh, being ranked in, in the low teens to 20 range, and I just think it's insane. Uh, you know, yes, did he start out slow uh, in the second uh, in the first half of the year and then had to turn it on in the second half when he hit 12 bombs in a month? Yeah, that's possible. But guess what? In terms of the overall numbers... He's going to be there at a position, and the fact that he's going to get to play shortstop again, it's going to motivate him. Uh, I, I just think he's going to be amped uh, in certain spots to prove people wrong, prove that he can play short, and he can put up the offensive numbers. I don't think he's going to struggle uh, uh, 
uh, as badly as he did in the first half last season. And if he doesn't struggle in the first half, he's definitely turning on in the second half because if he gets traded to a contender, look out because I, I just think that uh, he, he, the top's going to blow off there. So to me, Machado is the biggest wild card in this first round here because he could be someone that actually uh, gives you a top three value even though he's been penciled in anywhere from uh, 10 to 18 in terms of fantasy rankings across the board from what I've seen. Uh, I, I just look at it as like he's a top 10 player. And I, I'm if depending on where my rankings go and my different leagues, uh, he's definitely someone I'm targeting on the back end of the first uh, round. If I'm, if I'm in a position where I have a late first round pick, yeah, I'm going after Machado. So that brings us to number 10, and it is the aforementioned Giancarlo Stanton, the the chosen one who was in a more than fair choice as a Yankees fan, I can say, to the Yankees uh, from the Marlins. Of course, I can hear everyone else in baseball complaining as they're listening to this podcast, but, you know, here's the long and short of it. Why is Stanton rated at number 10 when he hit 59 bombs last year? And I can hear I can hear the questions uh, coming on uh, about this because the fact that I'm doing a ranking and we're ready at number 10 and this is finally when Stanton goes, it's, it's a very simple answer. Even though he's traded to a more offensive ballpark, I still look at this as a situation where it's going to be an adjustment period for him uh, going into the American League. Uh, where you're going to have more power throwers in the National League. And, yeah, with more power arms, they're more adjusted to uh, power hitters. I just think his numbers are going to take a little bit of a dip early. Uh, but rest assured, the other aspect of why I didn't put uh, Stanton higher is the fact that his injury history still leads me to believe that, you know what, Penciling him in for 500-plus at-bats might be more than a tad aggressive. I, I just look at this and I'm saying, you know, you can expect at least a DL stint uh, for some time with the Yankees. And people are going to panic. But, you know, the numbers are going to be there. He's still going to be getting you somewhere close to 50 bombs. I just don't see where he gets you... 60 plus and you know everyone's throwing these factors of both Stanton and Judge are going to boost their home run totals when paired together I'm not necessarily in that camp I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of Judge has a shoulder injury the Yankees are going to nurse him so I'm knocking Judge down as well and people are going to probably crush on me as well for being a Yankees fan but not being a homer uh, where I have Judge ranked this year uh, I'm probably not going to be end up drafting Judge. I I fully comprehend that, but to me, when you factor in uh, Stanton's hist- injury history and you know different scoring formats where strikeouts can be held against you, both Stanton and Judge definitely take huge drops if you have strikeouts as a factor in your leagues. So, to me, I look at him saying, yeah. I like the fact that you're hitting bombs, but, you know, I think there's enough uh, bounce in the first round where 
one trick ponies uh, where you're not going to get as much in terms of some of the other uh, stat relief categories. Because again, yeah, you're going to hit bombs and they're going to hit RBIs uh, and the Yankees are going to score a ton of runs. It's just that when you have that many power hitters in that lineup, the RBI numbers, someone's going to take a hit somewhere. So I don't know if it's going to be Stanton. I don't know if it's going to be Judge. I don't know if it's going to be Sanchez. Didi's going to get his fair share of RBIs just because of how well uh, he's been raking uh, in the past year. Someone's going to take a hit offensively on the Yankees. So I just can't get as crazy behind them as other people are this year. But they're going to put up numbers. There's no doubt about that. So uh, Stanton's in at number 10. Uh, We're going to go to number 11. And someone that, you know, it's... uh, it's an interesting one, but I, I kind of look at this and I'm saying to myself, who's a guy that folks aren't necessarily looking at that they probably should look at? And, uh, you know, it's someone who got injured last year, but still has a ton of talent and still has uh, great uh, great ratios in terms of across the board, even though uh, he's got little to no protection in his lineup, he can still put up uh, decent numbers. That's Freddie Freeman. You know, Freddie Freeman has the potential uh, to get you 30-plus bombs, 100 RBIs, and hit a 300 average. I mean, not too many guys can do that. And I know some folks are going to say, well, why aren't you sliding in Votto in that? Part of the issue is that Votto's getting up there in age. So I kind of look at this and I'm saying, if I'm taking someone that, you know, typically... Uh, can get me bottle-like numbers. This is where they I would uh, uh, pencil them in for. And, you know, again, is this, am I expecting Miguel Cabrera numbers and his prime numbers from Freeman? Of course not. But I do think that uh, in terms of, of uh, offensive numbers, yes, he can put up decent numbers and he's not going to kill you uh, in any category because he can even still grab a couple of bags here and there. So, again, I look at this and I'm saying, all right, so you're getting to the back end of the first round. Uh, Who's not going to absolutely kill you uh, if you didn't get anyone in the top 10? And to me, I I look at Freeman. uh, To me, he's a solid enough pick where you shouldn't have to worry about him. And to round out the first round in terms of picks for a 12-team league, I've got Anthony Rizzo, and again, same uh, logic applies here. The only difference that I see between Rizzo and Freeman here is that I think Freeman's going to have a little bit better batting average than Rizzo. I think Rizzo's, realistically, you're looking at about a 280 to 285 hitter, but in terms of uh, driving in runs and uh, hitting hitting bombs, uh, he's going to be right there. Now... In terms of the second round with number 13, and, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to punish the guy for being number 13, but, you know, it just ended up sorting itself out that uh, he fell into this range. Now, this guy should be a first-round pick if I actually knew where the hell he was going to play next season. And that man is J.D. Martinez. J.D., as some of you may or may not know, is... uh, a player that was uh, on uh, Detroit, got traded midseason to Boston. Uh, I mean, uh, got traded midseason to 
Arizona rate. But as I like to call him, Jay Diesel puts up top 10 numbers despite the fact that he can never stay healthy. I mean, everything that you complain about with Stanton applies to uh, J.D. Martinez. It's just that he doesn't hit as many bombs as Stanton. But he doesn't strike out as much as Stanton either, so you get a little bit better boost in the batting average. But expect the one to two DL stints a year with Martinez. The other problem, reason why I don't have Martinez ranked higher, is the fact that, guess what? He still hasn't signed with anyone yet. So, I don't know if he's going to be with Boston. I don't know where overall team is. I just look at him and say that in terms of his actual capabilities, it doesn't really matter which ballpark he ends up at. Uh, it's only going to move the needle slightly one way or another, uh, unless he's in a complete dead zone like Petco, which I doubt because uh, the Padres just committed uh, an eight-year contract to Eric Cosmer, which I'll get into uh, a bit later on in, in the rankings. Uh, but uh, uh, Hosmer will be coming up at some point, uh, but uh, not 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 for the foreseeable future. So anyway, uh, getting back to JD, in terms of the power numbers, I'm seeing anywhere from uh, 38 to uh, 45 home runs uh, for Martinez, just because he has that talent, even if he goes on the DL stint. Uh, I just look at the power uh, that he possesses, and the only other guy that generates as much easy power uh, in terms of swings that I see is Stanton and Judge. So outside of those two, I, I kind of look at that and I'm saying, there you go. Now, the other question that I'm going to hear people screaming about is, why isn't Aaron Judge in this spot, Dwayne, if you're, if you're thinking that J.D. Martinez is putting up these numbers? I'll get to Aaron Judge in a bit. Don't worry. It, he's coming up in the rankings eventually. It's just that for now, J.D. Martinez is at 13. 14. We finally have a pitcher on the board. And it is Mad Max Scherzer. So, Max Scherzer, I'm actually putting in as my number one ranked pitcher ahead of Kershaw. And the reason being is the fact that Kershaw started to have more issues with his back last year. And to me, when you start having back issues as a professional athlete, that is the telltale warning sign that the wheels are about to fall off. Now, I can't automatically say that Kershaw's going to completely tank this season, but you know what? It's not going to be out of the realm of possibility that Kershaw has uh, another DL stint or two in his future next season. I just look at him saying that Kershaw probably isn't going to do more than 200 innings this season. I think there's a possibility that Kershaw does only maybe 180. Uh, you know, there's a chance that Kershaw does not uh, uh, break 200 innings pitch this year. And you know what? If I'm allocating that high of a pick for a pitcher, you damn well better be in the 220 range. And that's why Scherzer is going to get the bump for me. So Scherzer, you know, the K through nine innings uh, is going to be incredibly high. I, I just look at uh, Kershaw as a 
player that's going to start adjusting how he pitches just to avoid uh, extended innings pitch. And, you know, again, when you start seeing that happen, that gives me a little bit more trepidation about taking you. So I'm going to go with uh, Scherzer at 14 uh, just because, you know, I see a little bit more consistency coming from Scherzer than I do Kershaw. Now, am I going to select Scherzer in the second round? Probably not. I'm I'm probably going to avoid it because I I just think that if you wait long enough, you can get someone along the lines of of a Robbie Ray, Carlos Carrasco, and you can still get your strikeout numbers. Uh, So I I don't see myself getting either Scherzer or uh, Kershaw, but... It is what it is. So, uh, 14 Scherzer, 15 Kershaw. You know, yeah. Could could you uh, could you put put Kershaw in the first round? Yeah, I know people who draft Kershaw in the first round. I'm not one of those people. Uh, to me, if you were gonna ride that boat with Kershaw, that passed about three years ago uh, of taking him in the first round. But you know, some people want to take him in the first round. More power to you. I just wouldn't take that risk. Especially, like I said, with back issues, those don't really go away. So, uh, you know, that's all I have to say on that uh, front. Uh, So moving on to number 16, and we've got ourselves a Cleveland Indian in Francisco Lindor. Now, do I think Lindor is going to hit 33 bombs like he did last season? No, but... Let's look at the numbers again. Uh, in terms of his uh, home run to fastball uh, ratio, uh, it was 14%. Now, in terms of fan graphs, uh, when I l- looked at the numbers again, his career percentage of uh, home run uh, per fastball ratio was 12.5%. That's not that much of a, uh, deli- uh, of a deviation from... Uh, having a career year last year. So, again, 33 bombs? No. Can he hit 25? Yeah. So, if he's hitting 25 and he's still scoring 100 runs and he's still batting close to 300, which I think he'll probably break 300 this year, and he's uh, swiping about 18 to 25 bags, yeah, this is easily a second-round pick. Uh, I'm I'm not even... (laughs) Uh, like I, I don't really even feel the need to try uh, try to justify this one, and I know uh, the the consensus is going to be that uh, Lindor should be behind the guy that I'm mentioning next at number uh, uh, seventeen, and that's Carlos Correa. Uh, people look at Carlos Correa and they say this is the guy who's going to be the guy in baseball for years to come. I'm still waiting on that. Uh, you know, if you're telling me that Correa is going to hit 35 to 40 bombs, I, I still think that's being overly aggressive in terms of what he's shown. Yeah, he doesn't have the speed that you see with other guys to get there in terms of, uh, of uh, being a top 10 player unless he hits 35 to 40 bombs. That's the only way I see... Correa doing it and the other problem with Correa is the fact that with Houston because there are so many home run hitters it's going to be hard for him to put up the RBI numbers to be uh, 
a top 10 player. So am I taking him in the second round? Yeah, because he has the potential to be a top 10 player. It's just that I, I you know, a lot of things have to go right for Carlos Correa uh, to actually get there. So uh, in terms of uh, the overall dynamic, I, I look at Correa, sol- solid pick. It's just one where I just don't necessarily see him uh, uh, doing anything higher than being like a, where I have him penciled in at it, which is the mid-teens. Uh, so I look at a 17. I think that's more than fair number for him. Moving on to number 18, a tried and true hand and one of my favorite players just to slot in for fantasy baseball just because I know what I'm getting out of him. It's just how many years can he keep doing it for? I don't know, but his eye hasn't changed, So, and that's Joey Votto. You know, the on-base percentage is going to be there. He works the count. He basically can bully an umpire to give him a ball even if it is a strike. Uh... Vano is going to put up offensive numbers. Uh, it's just a matter of, all right, how much uh, of a difference is it going to make uh, one way or another uh, in terms of where he ends up being uh, at the end of the day? And to me, Vano's biggest weakness this year is the fact that there are just enough young players coming up where – the things that Votto excelled at with being on base all, basically all day, every day, and hitting bombs, I, I just think that major league hitters are getting a little bit better. Just after a couple of years of just mediocrity in terms of on-base percentage, I think it's finally getting a little bit better with certain players. Other players are just going to be strikeout machines, and you know it, but other players uh, in the top 10, they've been increasing their walk ratio. Machado's increased his walk ratio, so... The advantages Votto had from just in an on-base percentage format aren't necessarily as high as they used to be. So uh, Votto comes down a couple of notches. I mean, still top 28 bad. It's just not exactly uh, where he's been from years past. And finally, the guy that people are still going to be screaming at me why I have him ranked so low and... You know, I I expect uh, to give folks questioning just off of what he did last year. Why is Aaron Judge ranked at 19 given the season that he had last year where you could have made a case for him to be the AL MVP? And to me, it's simple. Even though Aaron Judge was the number one fantasy player last year by a wide margin with 52 bombs and an on-base percentage over 400, and just gaudy stats all around. And I know I'm going to get uh, lambasted by some folks look who do fantasy baseball, and they're saying, you're way too conservative on Aaron Judge and knocking him just because of a minor shoulder injury. I look at this, and I'm saying, the issues that Aaron Judge had in the second half of the season, I think, just kind of contribute to some of the issues he's going to run into this season. I think he's going to have to temper his game a bit, and he's not going to hit as many home runs. So even though uh, he is going to be nursing a, uh, a minor shoulder issue, he should be healthy enough for the start of the regular season. So I'm not worried about uh, 
uh, game time being missed the way I would with uh, Stanton. My issue with uh, Judge has to do with if he's going to improve as a baseball player, he actually would be better off taking a step back this year and working on some of the other aspects of his game of driving the ball the other way, using uh, all parts of the field as a hitter to improve himself. So this is one where I think he's going to get a little bit more advice on that front to develop his game, to be more well-rounded because the overall goal for the Yankees this year is to win the world series. Now he's going to get pressure uh, with folks because of the judges chambers and all that other hoopla uh, to hit bombs. And I think the Yankees are going to be more stringent with judge than ever before, because now you got Stan in the mix where he doesn't have to be the guy. There are other guys who can hit bombs. I think they're going to try to work on Aaron to be more selective of his pitches and to make him an overall better hitter than he is currently right now. I think there are holes uh, in Judge's game that are gaping, that pitchers have been able to take advantage of him on. I just look at it from the standpoint of, you know, you know at the end of the day, Judge has to improve as a hitter. And even though it's, from a fantasy perspective, it's a step back, Real life baseball, he's going to be a better hitter next season because of it. So I, I look at a judge where I don't see him hitting 50 bombs. I see him hitting in the low 40s in terms of home runs. I just think that you're going to see a better overall uh, representation of uh, what he does as a hitter. I think he can actually be a 275, 280 hitter without hitting as many home runs and actually being able to drive in over 100 RBIs. The problem with that is that, you know, technically with those numbers, you're not necessarily going to be at the top of the uh, fancy baseball uh, chain. So those numbers slide you a bit lower, but I think he has the potential of hitting uh, low 40 bombs it's just that with the Yankees' offense, uh, he actually gets discounted a bit because of the fact that, yeah, he could hit over 100 RBIs, or I could see him hitting somewhere in the low 90s in terms of RBIs and only getting about 100 runs scored. And that makes a huge difference in terms of where you end up in overall fantasy rankings. Uh, so, again, I think he's going to become a better hitter. It's just that from a fantasy perspective, he's going to look like a worse fantasy uh player as a result because his teammates uh overall quality of his teammates has improved and the fact that if he's uh, adapting his game and actually using all parts of the field and not just hitting the ball out that's also gonna ding him although from a real life perspective he's gonna be a better hitter so as convoluted as an explanation as that is uh that's where i'm kind of going with judge this year better hitter it's just going to impact his fantasy numbers overall because the team's better offensively, even though uh, the Baby Bombers were crazy last year, I think it's going to be an even more expansive offense uh, this upcoming season. And number 20. And this one, I, you know, I see, I've seen him ranked in the first round with a number of outlets, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in a, a mixed bag position, and that's Charlie Blackman, because yeah, he finished sixth uh, in a number of formats, especially Yahoo. 
but the counting stats to me don't really add up for me. Yes, he's got the course field effect. Yes, he had basically a 400 on base percentage, but the steals are going down for uh, Blackman. And, you know, I look at it and I'm saying, yeah, he had a career year with 37 bombs. Is he coming close to 37 home runs this season? I'd be shocked if he hit 30 this season. I really would. Because to me, a lot of this just boils down to, is it a course field effect? Did it Was it just more of an aberration? I look at it as more of a, you know what, he hit, he hit well in all ballparks. And he really, really benefited from course last year. Uh, I just don't think those uh, elements play as much of a factor this year. I think he comes down to earth back, back to where he really should be because I think he's a top 20 player, probably closer to top 25, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and put him as 20. Uh, it's just that I can't really say that uh, uh, he's a first-round pick, and I, you know, I'd be shocked if I owned him uh, this season. I owned him last year. Uh, picking in the uh, back end of uh, the second round. I just don't see that happening again this season uh, just because, again, he had 37 bombs. So people are going to grab him in the first round. I just look at him saying he's 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 someone that could definitely end up disappointing you just because if you're expecting anywhere close to the numbers he had last year, I, I just think that that's a pipe dream. So to me... He's more than uh, reasonable in the back end of the second round. If you're taking him in the first round, uh, you're asking for trouble. I, I just think that there's enough depth in the first round where you can get guys that can put up the offensive numbers that you're looking for without the question marks. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's where I kind of see it going. So uh, we're through the top 20. You know, originally I said, yeah, maybe I can get through 50. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, just because uh, in order to do that, we, we'd probably be somewhere close to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. So I'm going to tailor it for now. I'm going to break this up. Uh, so uh, hopefully tomorrow I can get through uh, 20 through uh, 50. If not, we'll uh, we'll do a top 60 instead and uh, do it over three nights. So. That's all for now, and uh, yeah, hopefully these rankings actually give you a better context as to how you should start thinking about fantasy uh, baseball this upcoming season because, you know, we're we're just over a month away. So, again, this should be the time when you start taking start taking a look at where you're going to play next, uh, next season in terms of leagues, look at the scoring formats. I can get into all of that. Uh, detail later about why it matters as to which categories are being uh, emphasized but for now uh we're we're just going to go into overall rankings of players so uh take it easy and talk to you soon
It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.